the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, as this is a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's according to John 10.10. And today we continue in the series called Jesus Has Left the Building and Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus as Pastor Sean is teaching from Matthew chapter 11 and then flipping over to Matthew 25 with a message called Jesus on Success with a question to consider. That's how does this pursuit of success, as the world defines it, collides with God's invitation to rest? Well, sit a spell and rest with us and listen. This is Real Life Radio. In John 17, 4, look what Jesus says. This is his, we call it his high priestly prayer. One of the final things he prayed and said, it's a, it's a conversation he has with the Father. On the night that he was betrayed, John 17, 4, he prays to the Lord, to his Father. He says, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. In other words, Father, I have glorified you by being faithful and obedient with what you gave me. That is the beginning of success in Jesus' eyes. And the question is, are you being faithful? It is fascinating that he gives those two servants the exact same commendation. And in our economy, that seems unfair. Wait a minute, one worked harder, and he made five. Why would he get the same? Because we would, the guy who we'd have speak at our conference would be the guy who'd made five talents. The guy who'd made two, you know, he's, he's good and all. I'm sure he's very, very effective, but, you know, that's not as, you know, wow. Five talents, whoa, that's good stuff. I want to hear his story, how you can make five talents in your spare time at home, you know. But that's the guy that we would want because he's, we, bigger is better. Jesus doesn't do any of that. He gives them both the exact same commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. This is an interesting uh, principle. Remember how he chose to give them the different amounts? It says each according to his what? His ability. Here's a principle. Not everyone has the same ability. That's why comparisons are so damaging, broken, and inappropriate. Not everyone has the same abilities. Not everyone's been given the same amount of talents. Not everyone was born in the same family. Not everyone has the same opportunities. It is broken to sit and try to compare with other people. You have no idea what kind of abilities they have, what kind of opportunities, what kind of obstacles. None of it. And the whole comparison thing is screwed up because we don't understand this simple principle. Not everyone has the same ability. And here's what Jesus is letting us know. Your ability is the primary measure of your accountability. It starts with your ability, what you've been given. You know, Jesus told that story. I love it. It's, you can almost see him. It's like he and the guys, his disciples are off to the side, and they're watching the people put their offerings in. You remember the story in the scriptures? He, he, they're watching the people put their offerings in the treasury, the offering box at the temple. And it says the wealthy people were kind of, and you get this picture of them making a show about their kind of large gifts. 
It's so heavy. And all of a sudden, we're told a, a little woman, described as a widow, went up and two small coins, referred to as a mite, and she drops those two little coins in, nobody notices, and moves on. Somebody does notice, actually. Jesus notices. Because you see him grabbing the guys. They're paying attention. I mean, they're going looking at other stuff. He grabbed, look, look, look at that. Look at that. She gave more than everybody. And, you know, they're, they're thinking, well, she just gave two coins. Because she gave out of her absolute need and her want. She gave more than everybody else. Who was the successful giver that day? A widow who gave all she had. You see, to the servants, part of the commendation was, you have been faithful with a few things. You've been faithful with a few things, so I will put you in charge of many things. See, the idea of faithfulness is being obedient and making the most out of what you have been given versus squandering what you've been given. Here's my question for you today. What few things have you been given? Because we have bought into our culture's lie and think, well, the only things that matter are the big things. When I have this much, when I have a house that's huge, then I'm going to open it and make my place a a refuge and invite people to stay, and I'll do all that. No, you won't. Because you won't do anything different with the many things than you did with the few things. Don't worry about what you'll do with if I get a big house. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a big house and using it to be a blessing. I think you should do that. But just let me tell you, if you have a small house now, you're going to do exactly the same with your big house one day as, you're going to do, as you do with your small house. Focus on, okay, God, I can't, maybe I can't have 50 people over. I can have a neighbor over. I can, I can show hospitality to my kids' friends. I, we, I can be a real place of your glory and of your blessing to my kids' friends. I don't have to invite everybody in town over. But when I, if I, when I get a lot of money, if this investment hits, if, if this opportunity becomes what it is, then I'm going to give this, 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 and this, and then I'll really be this philanthropist giving. No, you won't. Not if you're not giving out of the few things that you have now. Because if Jesus is telling us anything, he knows full well what you're doing with the few things that you have right now, you're going to do with the many things that he would like to give you, but I don't think he will unless we're faithful with the few things. So you want to know what you would do if you had a lot of money? Exactly what you're doing now with the money you have, the few things that you have. That's a real gut check. It's a real heart check. Boy, Lord, if you gave me the opportunity to speak to and influence all kinds of people, Jesus, then I would, boy, I would really use that influence. for. No, you wouldn't. Because who are the people in your life right now? You know, here's the thing. Who are the few things that when it comes to people? Like maybe your kids. That's where it starts. One of the things the Lord showed me early on in ministry, I've called you to lead people to Jesus. By the way, I've put a few of them right in your house. How about lead them first? Make sure that they grow up to know me and understand who I am and love me and want to follow me. How about that first? Because what good are you going to do? How are you going to feel if you see thousands of people saved and your own kids don't want anything to do with the church or with me? Be faithful with the few things, and I'll make you steward over much. I'll tell you something that the Lord's been challenging me with recently, and it's not a comfortable challenge. Um, and I shared it with the elders. It's, it's this. 
if Jesus had my resources, my relationships, and my opportunities, what would he do with them? And am I doing that? If Jesus had my resources, my relationships, and my opportunities, what would he do with them, and am I doing that? Some of you are looking at me like, yeah, Sean, we've been wondering about that. Yeah, you're missing the point. I think he would say the same thing to you. What would Jesus do with your resources, relationships, and opportunities? And are you doing that? Because that is fundamentally the core of being faithful. You'll never realize Jesus' gift of rest until you accept his definition of success. And the first question is, are you being faithful? Second, are you bearing fruit? Are you bearing fruit? Because the two servants who were faithful actually bore fruit. It was real, it was visible, it was tangible. Are you bearing fruit? The Old Testament prophet Haggai, chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, says this. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much but have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Have you ever felt like that? I know I have. There have been seasons. It feels like no matter what you get, you're putting it in a pocket that's got a hole in it, a purse that's got a hole in it. It seems like I'm doing all this stuff. I'm working, I'm busy, but it just doesn't seem like anything's come of it. You know what is happening in that Haggai chapter 1. These people are, the Lord says, they're taking care of their own and building their own finely paneled houses while his house, the things of God, the things of eternal importance of the kingdom, lie in waste. And they're not putting any investment, any effort, any energy into the things that God holds dear. And that the net result is, while they may have finely paneled houses, they feel like they're sucking fumes. they got purses with holes in it. They're not making any ground. They're not bearing fruit. And that's not God's design. Jesus, in Matthew 15, 8, he says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. One of the signs of disciples is fruitfulness. Good fruit growing in and around our lives. Note that the the two faithful servants had more talents. The question that I would ask you is, what is good fruit in your life? How would we define it? What does it look like? What does good fruit look like? That's a really important question. At home, in your relationships, at your work, in your finances. Is good fruit with my finances just having as much as possible? Or could actually having as much as possible... Could there be bad fruit that came from that? And please understand what I'm saying. Not that it has to, but that it could. We have to understand what fruit is. Now, very important. When the Bible talks about fruit, what's the first passage that comes to mind? Galatians 5. You were going to say that, weren't you? Galatians 5. Galatians 5, begin at verse 22. Listen, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The first thing that God's going to do in your life by his spirit is build fruit in you. Good fruit starts with who you are becoming in Christ. And let me just tell you the, the other shoe here. The other shoe dropping is if you have the spirit 
building good fruit within you, I promise you, you'll begin to see good fruit around you. You can't escape it. It's like a principle. You reap what you sow. You're listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church, as you're hearing the third message in a series called Jesus Has Left the Building and Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus. In fact, you can find this whole series on the sermons link at reallife.org. Plus, at the site, see all the great small groups that are available to get connected with. Plus, ways River City Community Church is giving back and serving the community, doing things you can do with your whole family and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Again, that's at reallife.org. Hi, this is Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church. I want to let you know about a series we're beginning, really more a journey of discovery called Jesus Has Left the Building, Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus. Now, Jesus Christ is one of the most well-known, off-quoted, yet misunderstood personalities in all of human history. The church he launched changed the entire course of Western civilization and beyond. Yet sometimes it feels like that church has lost its way in recent years. Is it possible that we've forgotten the real Jesus? Or worse, reinvented him to suit our purpose or politics? We're hoping to start a very important conversation, and we'd love for you to be a part. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road, right across from Atama Park. Service times are 9 and 11. River City is a church for real life. Our home on the web is reallife.org. So to find out everything you need to know, stop by our website at reallife.org. We hope to see you soon on the road to real life. Welcome back as we return to this message of Jesus on success. This is Real Life Radio. And this is a very important idea. Good fruit within you will bear good fruit around you. And there's two ideas of that. There's quality and there's quantity. And I think it's fine to say we want to see more fruit. If it's healthy, if it's good, we want more of it. But also we want the quality of that. We want the fruit to get better and better and be richer and purer in our lives. 3 John verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. You need to understand God isn't just looking at your eternal soul and saying, I want that to prosper and everything else, forget it. It's all going to burn anyway. He doesn't look at it that way. But the kind of fruit that comes from a healthy soul looks different. And you need to understand that. You know, this idea of prosperity, I pray that you, you're, that you prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. You need to understand that definition of prosperity. Very significant. That doesn't mean just having more and more and more. Some people, that's how they define prosperity. I am rich. I want to say to you, God wants to prosper you and you to live prosperous and full no matter how much or how little you have in the bank. There is no dollar amount. Oh, when you get this, now I'm prosperous. Just ask anybody. Are you rich? Nope. Who's rich? Someone who has more than me. That's a messed up idea, but it is human nature. That's the richest guy in the room. Are you rich? Nope. Who's rich? Oh, this guy, he's got more than me. God wants to prosper us no matter how much or how little we have. And I believe God wants us in our finances to prosper, i.e. not to be stressed, not to always be striving to have more or not to be sucking fumes and worrying about where our next meal is going to be from. He doesn't want that. Father, Jesus said, Father knows everything you need. Seek first the kingdom, his righteousness, and all that you need will be added to you. But our broken idea of success has caused us to redefine what actual good fruit is. Here's the deal. If you see money as the beginning and the end of all your problems, uh, money will always be your biggest problem. It really will. If you see money as the beginning and end of all your problems, money will always be your biggest problem. Here's the question. Take the long view. Take the long view. What will matter? 
in 10 years, 50 years, 100 years. And it starts to help you clear the weeds away and know, oh, I know what good fruit is. I'm going to say to you, one good sign of good fruit is always in the people and the relationships around you. You've got to have your eyes on those things. And here, here's the deal. I spend all my investment investing in my business. Nothing wrong with business. Don't, don't hear me. Don't go out saying, Sean's anti-business. No, I'm not. I think your business is a great tool to meet the needs of your family, to help employ other people, and to be a vessel for the kingdom of God. I think it's an amazing opportunity for people who have businesses. But if your only focus is on the financial bottom line of your business, don't be surprised when the only fruit in your life is financial business. Because you reap what you sow. You can't sow only financial effort, financial focus, financial harvesting, if you will, and expect to receive fruit in my family and my children and my relationships and my friendships and my character and my nature. You reap what you sow. Bearing fruit requires understanding. You know what? I'm supposed to bear fruit. It begins by being faithful, but then understanding the kind of fruit that Jesus wants to bring and knowing it's really good. Seriously. It's really good fruit. And it's lasting fruit. And it's the kind, actually, that you can take with you when you leave this earth. You'll never realize Jesus' gift of rest until you accept his definition of success. Third, are you being fulfilled? Because he says to the faithful servants, come and share your master's happiness or your master's joy. In John 15, 11, Jesus also says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I'm not saying it's like every moment is just easy or it's ecstasy or bliss, but you should be fulfilled and joyful. Simple as that. Let me just real clear here. Burnout, burnout is not good or normal and is a warning sign. You need to know that. And it doesn't mean you should quit what you're doing. Maybe you should. Or maybe you're just approaching it all the wrong ways. You've got all the wrong numbers that you're counting, all the wrong definitions of success. Because when you are faithful, when you're yoked to Jesus and experiencing his life and his rest, you're supposed to experience good fruit. You're supposed to experience fulfillment, joy. And if you're miserable, depressed, stressed, that is not God's design. And you need to go talk to your small group leader, talk to one of the pastors, even a Christian counselor. Whatever you need to do to stop and go, you know, what assumptions am I operating on here? What's kind of broken that it's creating this? Because it is not God's design. And I would say to you, the best source, begin talking to the Father about it. Here's the deal. It won't do any good to talk to the Father if you're not willing to change. If you're like, Lord, I want you to make me feel better, but don't change anything. I want you to keep everything the same. All this stuff that made me miserable, keep it exactly the same. But I want you to make me feel better about this miserable thing. That doesn't make sense. But that's how a lot of us pray. When you pray, you better expect Jesus to come now and start changing the direction and saying, okay, now just be yoked to me. Let's go. You'll never realize Jesus' gift of rest until you accept his definition of success. And last, and I'll wrap with this, are you making God famous? Are you making God famous? famous remember what jesus said in john 17 4 his expression father i've been faithful he says i have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do i have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do 
Are you making God famous? Jesus brought glory to Father. That phrase, I heard it from a guy named Don Cousins. Uh, he spoke at a conference I was at. In fact, I got to do an interview with him. Cool guy. And he told this awesome story of helping a friend set up a foundation, a friend who'd made a lot of money. He and his wife had business, and they'd done very, very well, very wealthy. And so they called Don and said, hey, we just feel like God wants us to use our resource for the kingdom. We want to set up a foundation. We've never done it. Don's a consultant. You know, can you help us? Okay, great, sure. So he went over and met with them, and first thing he does, they get the pad out and the pens, and okay, why do you want to set up a foundation? And their answer surprised him. In fact, shocked him. They said, we want to put the generosity of God on display. He was like, oh, that's good. They, they elaborated. We think a lot of people think of God as stingy, and we've not found him to be that at all. I don't think that's what he is. I don't think that's his nature. We want to put the generosity of God on display and bless people according to God's direction and give all the glory to God. And the way they did it, they didn't put their name on the foundation. They keep pretty quiet about who actually has set up the foundation. They actually hired someone else not only to run it, but to sign the check so their name isn't even on that. Because they didn't want the temptation to glorify themselves and make their name famous. But they wanted to make God's name famous. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's challenging. But that's awesome. You know, we've said a lot of times here that our desire is that people would leave and say, what an awesome God they serve. Not what great music they have or preaching or the classes are great or wow, what a great kids ministry, youth ministry, whatever. That the first impression, the kind of overwhelming thing would be, what an awesome God we have. What an awesome God those people serve. And that's the idea of, of the final kind of real key to success that Jesus held himself to that standard. Are you making God famous? Are you bringing his glory, manifesting his glory to the world around us? 1 Peter 4.11 says, If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Understand something. He's not speaking that to ministers, ministries, and churches. He's just speaking that to Christians. They were, he wasn't writing to a bunch of pastors. He's writing to a bunch of actually pretty new Christians. Speak, do it speaking the words of God. Serve, do it with God's strength, with strength he provides, so in all things he may be praised and he may be glorified. Now, here's the question. Because this is one area where I do think I got an advantage, okay? My job, my job is to tell about what God is doing, okay? So it's pretty easy. How do I make God famous? That's like my job, okay? So that, that's easier, I would say. But what about your job? And I, I think it's totally possible. Peter is not writing here to pastors. He's writing to Christians. How could you make God famous in your job, your business, your neighborhood, your clubs, your associations? How could you make God famous? Now, I'm not saying you should kind of, okay, my business now is preaching. I'm not selling anymore. I'm preaching. And I'm going to get fired within three weeks, but it's going to go in a blaze of glory. You know, now, That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know if that would be effective. But what would it look like? How could you, to your clients, make the glory of God so that people went, God, man, they got, 
that's an awesome God. I, I got to check that out. That God that they serve, that they, what would that look like? What, what, would you, what, what, about, what about your business? What about your home in your neighborhood? To where people go, you know those folks on the end of the street? Yeah, it's something about them. Their God is awesome. What kind of things could we say, like Peter says, or do, serve? What kind of things could we do and conduct our business and our affairs, our family, so that people just go, man, that God they serve is just awesome. Because I think now we're tapping into what Jesus would do if he had our resources, relationships, and opportunities. Because he said, John 17, that's exactly what he did do. You'll never realize Jesus' gift of rest until we accept his definition of success. And I want to tell you, just in closing, one of the best things you'll ever do is accept his definition of success and absolutely reject the world's definition of success. Reject it. And and please, that doesn't mean, oh, but how am I going to pay take care of my family. Jesus already said, Father wants you to take care of your family. Your work should take care of your family. Nothing wrong with that. That's not what I'm talking about. How am I going to prepare for my retirement? Father knows what you need. He will take care of you. You should prepare, but it's fine. You don't have to obsess. You don't have to have the drivenness. You don't have to compare your retirement to the guy next to you. Are you faithful? Are you being faithful? Are you fruitful? Are you fulfilled? And are you making God famous? And I promise you, in that you will find... Oh, being yoked to Jesus in this, I've got a whole new kind of rest. That's my prayer for you, because I really believe um, that God wants to set us free into that kind of life. And we're going to have to be willing to let go of some things, but I encourage you, it's worth it. Thank you, Pastor Sean. You've been listening to Real Life Radio, as next week we'll continue this series called Jesus Has Left the Building and Rediscovering the Biblical Jesus, as it's available right now as a free download when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. We invite you to do more than just hear, but see and do when you join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park. You can see all the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more real life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.